You're listening to the One Hope Church Podcast. The following audio is from the weekly gatherings of One Hope Church in Orlando, Florida. We pray that you'll be encouraged and challenged as you listen. John Baxter, I'm an elder here at One Hope, and as our pastor Justin is away for a few weeks, I think it should be my privilege to listen to God's word. There's a, a, a well-known, if you're in Japan, a well-known Japanese theologian by the name of Oyama. Many years ago, he wrote a book entitled The Three Mile an Hour God. And the idea was that was the speed that God moved with the children of Israel as they went through the desert. Three miles an hour. He calls it the speed of love. <laughs> We're used to things happening a lot quicker, which can actually lead, in a sense, to anxiety for us when things don't happen as fast as we want. But one of the lessons that they learned by going slowly through that wilderness for 40 years is that they learned how to depend upon the presence of God. It wasn't an easy lesson for them, but they did. Those who survived the wilderness finally did learn about the presence of God. You may remember that Exodus 33, when the, the children of Israel rebelled against God and created a, a golden calf, and God was not real happy about that, and there's some consequences. Uh, Moses pled with God. He said, don't send us away from here. Don't have us move another step unless you promise that your presence will be with us. I don't know if you remember that in verse 15 in chapter 33 of Exodus, and God said, yes, I'll go with you. And so there was the, the cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night that symbolized the presence of God. Well, they came to, of course, to the, the borders of the uh, of the promised land that they were to, to conquer. And that takes us to actually the verse I want to look at this morning, the verses in Joshua, Joshua chapter 1, and I'll just read in chapter 1, verse 1, it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, and this is the cheery message, Moses, my servant, is dead. All right. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great rivers, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So be strong and courageous. So this is the, the same message that God, in a sense, gave to Moses, but now Moses is dead, and here's this young leader about to lead these people into a, a fairly dangerous place. I mean, the, the, there's a possibility, humanly speaking, that the, the nation of Israel could simply be destroyed by the, the different uh, nations, the Canaanite nations, that, that they have to go and attack. They're in their strongholds. So it would be very, very natural for Joshua, who's never led the people, that the leader for the last 40 years is dead for him to be horrified, <laughs> to be terrified. How in the world am I going to accomplish this? And God's word to him is that, as I was with Moses, and promised to be with you. I will never leave you, he says. I will never 
arrogant or say to you, don't be afraid. Not because of the circumstances, they're pretty fearful, pretty frightened. But not to be afraid because God's presence is greater than those circumstances. And so he, he does exactly, God does exactly as he promised. He led them into the promised land. And you know the story in, in the book of Joshua, how they defeated uh, the nations much mightier than they were. And they took possession of the land. And they took possession of the land because God needed a nation, a land, a place so that Messiah, Jesus, his representative, his savior for the world, that we could have, in a sense, a context and understanding the whole uh, sacrificial system of the Jewish people. In a sense, build that foundation of meaning so that when Jesus comes, he can say that, that he, or John can say, John the Baptist said, this is the Lamb of God. This is one who takes away the sins of the world. And the picture of the nation of Israel uh, for hundreds of years had prepared uh, the hearers for that statement. So he needed the success. They needed a nation. They needed a, a context for God to, to educate the people and to send his Messiah. Well, we travel to that, that time, hundreds of years after Joshua, Jesus has come. Jesus has died on the cross for sins. He's been resurrected. And the gospel begins to spread throughout the Mediterranean world. And, and, and some of the believers who, who come to Christ, actually many of them at the very beginning, came from a Jewish background. They were Jews who had become Christians. And so near the end of the New Testament, we come to the book of Hebrews because there's a problem in, in, among some of these Hebrew followers, these Jewish followers of Jesus, is that things haven't gone exactly as they expected. Unlike in the time of Joshua where there's success and, and, the, and the nations are driven out, now in the sense as the church is spread, there's not so much uh, success in the sense of, of, of comfort and safety. There's actually persecution. And we read in the early chapters of the book of Hebrews that, that they've lost their property, their possessions have simply been confiscated from them. Probably many of them have been thrown in jail. And there's always the possibility of shedding of their, their blood. And so the writer of Hebrews is, is, is pleading with these Jewish Christians not to go back. Don't go back to, to, to where you came from, to, to the, the former uh, religion of Judaism. And he pleads with them in the sense that he says that Jesus is so much better. He's so much greater. Jesus is greater than Moses, the prophet. The sacrifice of Jesus on the cross is so much greater than all of the Levitical and the priestly systems of, of sacrifice in the Old Testament. That Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection has accomplished for them something that, that the old Jewish religion could never do. But they're still facing that difficulty. Now, their life pattern is not that of Joshua, who simply had military success. Their life pattern is now the one that Joshua got ready for. Jesus, who lived a, a life of humility, whose primary work was accomplished through suffering. And so he calls his followers to follow him. And so the, the faith in Jesus Christ spreads throughout the world, but not through military conquest, but through this, this faithful and often sacrificial witness of the church. But in the 13th chapter of the book of Hebrews, as he's closing this book, 
He's arguing with them again and again that what Jesus has for them is better. He takes them right back to the, the very words that God spoke to Joshua. And he says this in verse 5 of Hebrews 13. He says, I will never leave you. Never will I forsake you. And then he quotes one of the Psalms. We say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? And so again, just as, as the Lord was saying to Joshua, he's now saying to these, these, these believers who in a sense are paying a price for their faith, he's saying, my presence is greater, is better, is more important than the difficult circumstances to face. And I think that's an important message for us right now. We're not in the easiest of circumstances as a church, but God's presence is better. That's a wonderful lesson to learn. Uh, Justin's been asking us to tell stories of faith, and, and this was a lesson that Jan and I learned sort of early on. And I'm going to conclude with this story, but uh, we were married in college, and when we graduated, we had no money. But uh, we felt that God was leading us to join the staff of Campus Crusade for Christ. Have you heard of that group? It's now called Crew. And so we had an old beat-up car. For those of you who can even would know that we had an old Rambler. That tells you how poor we were. <laughs> Nobody rich drove a Rambler. All right. So we, we didn't have any money. We, we, we camped out from Gainesville to uh, Fort Collins, where the Campus Crusade training was. The training was broken into two parts. It was the Institute of Biblical Studies. Do they still have that? Where they, they hopefully you learned something about the Bible. And then after that, there was new staff training. Two weeks. The first was four weeks. We knew God was calling us. We felt that, that He was in this decision. Uh, we didn't know how it was going to, to actually happen because we, we weren't that mathematically challenged. We knew that what was going to happen, that when we paid for the first four weeks, the Institute of Biblical Studies, we handed them every bit of money we had, which is not quite true. We had $2. I had $2 bills. <laughs> but all of our housing was taken care of, all of our food. But what, what wasn't taken care of was the last two weeks of staff training. And uh, we didn't know what was going to happen there. But we had four weeks of, of food and clothing and $2. So we took the $2 and we went to the gas station because we'd never been in the Rockies. And I put $2 in the gas tank back then that was, you could get some gas. And we saw where the, the gauge went over and I said to Jen, keep track of this because when it goes halfway, we've got to turn around. I said, actually, we go a little beyond halfway because we're going up the mountain and now we're going to be coming down the mountain. And that's what we did. So we got back to Fort Collins and not, not only do we not have the $2, we don't even have any gas in the park. But we were sure God was with us. We really believed He had told us to come out here, and we had no clue what was going to happen. Well, we're in the Institute of Biblical Studies for a few weeks, and about two weeks in, um, some friends come to us, and uh, Oliver's his name is Josh. My dad's a farmer, and he's trying to figure out how to sort of beat the taxes on inheritance. And he said, so he started to give us um, proceeds from the farm and, and, and we want to tithe. And so we, God just said, we're to give you this money. So they gave us the money. Praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> we paid for staff training. We got in the car, we drove home. 
and, and God multiplied our wealth. When we got home, we had eight dollars. <laughs> eight whole dollars in our wallet. <laughs> but you know, we, we, we had circumstances we, we couldn't really figure it out. I mean, we weren't in any danger. Our parents could have wired us money if, if we were stuck. But it was still a wonderful lesson for us to learn that the circumstances were nearly unimportant if you were sure that God was present, if He was in it. And as we go into this, this sort of family time as a church, I know we're facing some different circumstances. But what we really want to discern, and what each of us wants to discern is, is, is God here? Is God leading us? Is God, is He with me here? Does He want me here? Is His presence here? And it, if you become certain of that, then, then, then there's no circumstances greater than he is. There's nothing that he can't solve. Right? So that's, that's the encouragement I wanted to bring as we go into this time together. Let's pray together this morning. Father, thank you for uh, this church family. But it, it would not be a church family if it wasn't for the reality of your presence. If you're not here, we're not a church. And if you are here, there's no circumstances uh, that can defeat us in Christ. You didn't, like these Hebrew believers, you didn't promise us a, a particularly easy time. But you did promise your presence. You said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And that's on the basis of that promise. And we come to you this morning and ask for your guidance and direction as a church family. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the One Hope Church Podcast. We encourage you to share what you've heard in conversation with family, friends, classmates, and coworkers. To connect with us or learn more, visit wehaveonehope.com.